Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. It has already been a fantastic service. I so appreciate as the worship team leads us into the throne room of God as we recognize our place. As children of God, we've been welcomed into his throne room. We are seated in heavenly places. And when we worship, it's spiritual warfare. And so we, are, we move into the throne room of God with our worship as we begin to lift him on high. And so it's an important thing for us to be thinking through today as we enter into the throne room. It's important to know where we are seated with Christ. It's so important for us to know our identity in Christ, who we are, who God is, especially in some of these difficult days. And so to all who are weary or heavy laden today, today is still a good day. Just this last Tuesday, our government enacted several new mandatory restrictions, a mandatory province-wide masking, uh, 15% capacity on limitations for retail stores and churches, as you heard Pastor Amy talk about in the announcements. Uh, there's a full ban on social gatherings, both inside and outside. And there's other restrictions that span the next four weeks, which of course includes Christmas. Now, regardless of all the ins and outs of this move and whether you support it or not, these latest changes and the reality of Christmas looking a lot different than normal has given opportunity for many of us to feel an extra layer of stress or concern. The prolonged pandemic season, which is now in its 10th month, has been disruptive for all of us. Our families, our businesses, our occupations, our finances, our Christmas plans, and many other things have been affected, some more than others. Over these 10 months, we've, we've celebrated weddings and funerals, births and birthdays, anniversaries and graduations, and many other significant events that have been tainted somehow in this space where we can't gather with as many people as we would like to or do things the way that we used to. And of course, by now, many of us know friends and family uh, who have at least gotten sick with COVID or at some cases have passed away from complications due to COVID. And through all of this, we have endured much in our time. And whether you're rolling with it or not, whether you show the signs of stress or not, there is this stress that takes place living in this uncertain time. It leaves a bit of a mark on us. And so as we gather today, I ask you to take a moment to honestly ask yourself, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? How are you coping with the loss and the grief, the change and the constant upheaval, the highs and the lows, the ups and downs? I want you to remember it's okay to not be okay. And I know you've done a great job. Many of you have done stellar jobs, changing and moving and, and, and staying up with the, with the changing times and the constant upheaval. But it's okay to, to admit that you're not doing great, if that in fact is true. See, what is not okay is to pretend like nothing is wrong when actually something is wrong. So if there is something wrong, talk to somebody about it. The question today is, how are you doing? 
I don't expect you to give me an answer out loud. I don't expect you guys at home to, to text in an answer. I'm not looking for that. But I just want you to know that we see you. We see you. Just look around yourself for a moment at the people that are around you, that are sitting behind you or, or across the room from you. We may not all be experiencing the same stuff, but we're in this together. It looks different for each of us, and each of us are, are facing our own struggles, but we're in this together, and I hope that we see each other. There are two things that I want to encourage you with this morning. One is that we need each other. We are actually created for community. We're created to, to be able to walk together Amen. and to, to be able to lean on each other. So it's an important thing to do that. So who are you talking to about your journey? Who are you talking to? I, Jesus is a good one, but we'll talk about Jesus in a minute. It's super important that you actually have somebody else around you that you talk to, that you're walking with in the middle of this. Now, we may not be able to gather socially, but we have phones, and we can call people, and we can Zoom people, and there's all this amazing technology that you can actually have a serious face-to-face -face conversation with somebody, even in the midst of this COVID time, because we need each other. So who are you talking to in the midst of this journey? That's the first thing. We need each other. The second thing is this, and Doug so wonderfully just pointed this out. We need Jesus. Are you leaning into the peace of Jesus Christ this season? Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus and our third Advent theme, the peace of Jesus. After the announcement this week, we had to tell our kids that, that we were not going to Edmonton. Now, we've gone to Edmonton to visit Farrell's mom, I think, every year that we've lived up in the Beaver Lodge area. So for 18 years, possibly, I don't know if there are any Christmases that we spent up here, we would go down to visit Farrell's mom and have Christmas down there. And so we had to tell our kids that that was not going to happen this year, to which one of, the, one of the people in my household yelled out, they killed Christmas! which drew some laughter, of course, from us and a little bit of a moment of, of thoughtfulness. And then Farrell, uh, who was very wise, said this. She said, if Christmas could come, if Christmas could show up in a dingy manure-filled barn, then Christmas can show up during COVID. It might look different, but nobody can kill Christmas. Isn't she a wise woman? 2,000 years ago, that first Christmas was anything but perfect. The night of Jesus' birth was rough and difficult and uncomfortable and strange, but oh, was it beautiful. And not by the standard definition of beautiful. There was no tree and there were no lights and there were no presents and it wasn't warm and wonderful, but it was beautiful nonetheless. Jesus came into a world that needed him, but the world did not know that they needed him. A world that was hungry but, but did not know how to be satisfied. A world that was dark and confused and lonely and lost. And into this world, Jesus came, uninvited. Most people oblivious and definitely not calling out for God to come. But Jesus came anyway, humble and unassuming. Though he wasn't invited, he certainly was inviting we did not seek Jesus. None of us started off life or even at any point in our life sought out Jesus before he sought us. How similar our world is today to that dark night 2,000 years ago. Many today are lost and confused, lonely and hungry, but don't know where to look 
for that sustenance. And though we may not be looking for Jesus today, Jesus is certainly looking for us. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied of his coming. The prophet Isaiah said this. Carling read it earlier as she was leading us in worship. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Those names, Wonderful Counselor, ever, or Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Every time I read this passage, I, I, I'm, I'm struck with awe at the presence of God. This is Jesus. These names describe Jesus. At the time of Jesus' birth, the the angels declared to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. What an amazing declaration the angels made. Over the last two Advent weeks, we've looked at, at love and joy. We've looked at how Jesus is love. We've looked at how Jesus is joy. And today we're going to look at how Jesus is peace. Peace came to earth that first Christmas day. And then peace walked the earth, embodied in Jesus Christ. In the Greek of the New Testament, the word translated as peace is the word irene. In the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the word that they used for peace is the word shalom. Irene, which is the Greek word, means whole, when all the proper pieces come together. Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, means complete, when things are sound and right. Thinking about both of these words, both Irene and Shalom, Jesus is the peace, the the one who brings peace. He is peace because he makes things right. He makes things whole. He makes things complete. He makes them proper. Jesus' birth, life, and death brought completeness. Those things brought rightness. They set things in proper order. You see, we were meant to have relationship with God. This was the purpose. So this was the plan at the very beginning. Adam and Eve walked with God. They talked with God. That was the plan for mankind, was to have this beautiful, amazing relationship with God. It was proper order. But then Satan came, and of course, mankind abdicated our role to rule over the world. We gave it away to Satan, and Satan took that and ran with it. He stole the relationship that we had with God. He stole our birthright. We, of course, gave it away to him, so I don't know if you would call that stealing, but it was taken nonetheless. Then Jesus came. He defeated the darkness by his life and his death. Everything that Jesus did, his birth, his life, his death, it all defeated the the darkness. And Jesus brought us back into proper and right alignment with our Heavenly Father. Jesus brought us back into relationship with God. And showed us what that relationship could look like. Jesus had a perfect relationship with his heavenly father. And he showed us what that would look like. And he allowed us, invited us, made it possible for us to have that relationship. Jesus brought us peace. He made it all right again. 
Jesus is peace. See, peace is a person. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus. So peace walked this earth for 33 years, and then what? And then what? Because Jesus certainly doesn't walk this earth today, so is there no more peace? Well, let's look at this. In John chapters 14 to 17, Jesus is with his disciples, and he shares with them some of his last words before he goes to the cross. This is an amazing section of scripture. If you haven't read this before, it's John 14 through 17, the four full chapters in the book of John. And these four chapters take place the day before Jesus is going to be taken away to be crucified. He, the very next day, he is arrested and taken away to be crucified. So imagine that. Jesus is less than 48 hours away from being hung up on a cross. And he's going to talk to his disciples in these four chapters, John 14 to 17. This is 48 hours before Jesus is hung up on a cross. Now, what would you be like if you knew that within 48 hours, because Jesus knew what was going to happen, if you knew within 48 hours you were going to be facing this horrific death, what would you be like? I think if I knew that I was going to be crucified within 48 hours, I would likely not be overly fixated with meeting together with all of you and having a long conversation. That's probably not what I would do first. That's not what would be on first and foremost in my mind. I would probably be fixated on me. Maybe my family as well, but probably fixated on me and wanting my family to comfort me, wanting you guys to come comfort me. Come encourage me and comfort me. I'm going to be crucified in, in less than 48 hours. Come and visit me and, and say nice things to me, but not Jesus. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus sits down to comfort his disciples. What an interesting thing. He knew he was going to the cross, but Jesus sat down to comfort his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion. And Jesus speaks to the, his disciples his very last words. And that's what we find in John chapter 14 to 17. Now, Jesus did come back when, after he rose from the dead. He came and he continued to teach his disciples after that. But these are the last words he, tell, he speaks to his disciples before going to the cross. So I encourage you to read these chapters later on because they're amazing chapters. They're full of amazing things. But we're just going to focus in on just a few of the words of Jesus. Now, all through this section, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, 16, 17 are almost solely focused on the Holy Spirit being sent because Jesus was going to the Father. And this was what was about to happen. When Jesus went to the Father, the Holy Spirit was going to come. And Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Counselor several times. Look here in John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. Jesus says this, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So remember again, Jesus is going to the cross within 48 hours. He knows it and the disciples know it. And Jesus tells them earlier in this chapter, he's going away to the Father. So this is why they need to be comforted. And the disciples know these are the very last words of Jesus. And Jesus says to them, the counselor will come in my name and will continue to teach you everything. He'll continue to remind you of all the things I've told you already. The counselor, the counselor. Now in the Greek, the word was paraclete. 
It was one that would come beside you and encourage you and counsel you and advocate for you. The Holy Spirit is that, the paraclete who comes around next to us. Jesus is saying that another counselor, this counselor, this wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit, will come in my name and continue to teach you. He says, not only that, but in light of this difficult time that you're going through, the Holy Spirit is going to come, the counselor will come, and he will be peace. Look at this. We've got to, note, we've got to read this passage for what it says. The Holy Spirit will come, the counselor, the one who's going to come and teach you and lead you. And then Jesus says, peace I leave with you. The peace that Jesus is leaving is the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. The peace of Christ is going to come and indwell you. He's going to live within you. Though I'm going to be gone, see Jesus is peace, though he's going to be gone, peace will not be gone because now the peace of Christ will dwell within us by the Holy Spirit. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Did you know that the peace of Christ lives in you? He's not external. He's not external. He is internal. The Holy Spirit is the peace of Christ. And he lives within you if you are a follower of Jesus. But wait, because there's more. Because then Jesus says, I do not give you as the world gives. Now, that's a strange sentence. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before. Maybe you've got it all figured out. But I read that sentence this week, and I thought, what does that mean? I do not give to you as the world gives. So I've been pondering that quite a bit, and I had to read a couple of books and look around and try to figure out, what, God, what are you saying by this? Jesus said, I do not give to you as the world gives. So I went to a couple of, of teachers. I went to John Piper, who's an amazing preacher, and I went to RVG Tasker, who writes amazing commentaries. And I, I, I listened and I read, and I heard some amazing things from these two. So they both agreed that the world's peace is based on managing the external crisis, only caring for the outward circumstances. The world's peace is based on man-made hopes and promises, like, like health care. We manage the crisis by having health care, by having travel insurance, by having retirement savings, by building bomb shelters or escape plans, by having a police force, by having firearms, by making sure that our, our battalions are larger than anybody else's battalions, by making sure that we elect benevolent governments. Now, not that any of these things are wrong. These things are good and wonderful. Having health assurance is a wonderful, amazing thing. But the world's idea of peace is based on dealing with and managing the outward circumstances and trying to manage the crisis. Everybody's striving for some momentary respite from the barrage of trials and tribulations. It's the absence of those trials and tribulations out there that, that is what peace is. That's what the world says. The goal turns into seeking a moment where we can sit in our lazy boys and be in front of a fire and read a book. That's what we think peace is. And that's not a bad peace. I love sitting with my feet up in front of a fire with a book. But that peace is often fleeting. See, the world's idea of peace is trying to settle down the external for a moment of quiet, only be, to be interrupted by the next crisis. Uh, consider COVID. Goodness gracious, I was sure COVID would be finished by Christmas time. 
And if our idea is to wait until something or someone tells us that, that it's, going, it's all done, if our idea of peace is to hope and depend on a government to save the day or a, a vaccine or a mask to fix it all, if our, our idea of peace is, is to go into march and protest or, and take peace by force or to cower in our rooms until the all clear is sounded, then we will be sorely lacking peace. Because there will just be another thing after this quarantine. There'll be another round of restrictions for something different or another virus or another war or another economic fallout. There'll be something else around the corner. You will never experience peace if you are only looking at it as the world calls peace. Jesus does not give peace like the world gives peace. See, the world's peace is limited. It's short-sighted, it's weak, and it's ultimately useless. Jesus gives peace that does not depend on our outward circumstances changing. Because Jesus' peace is the peace that comes in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the trial and tribulation. It comes in the middle of the muck. Jesus' peace is not based on everything out there looking good. It's based on the goodness of God that's in you. It's not based on the circumstances. Jesus' peace meets you right in the middle of the manure-filled barn, in the middle of the loss of a family member, when everybody else says you should be freaking out at this moment, in the middle of the divorce or the job loss, in the middle of the tragedy or in the middle of the COVID-canceled Christmas. Jesus' peace shows up right where you are, right in the middle. And it's not a, a feeling, though we can feel peaceful, it's not primarily a feeling. Jesus' peace is Jesus himself. It's the spirit of Jesus who lives within you. And Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid because I am with you. Because I'm with you. In fact, in, at the end of this whole section, John 14, 15, 16, 17, at the end of chapter 16, here's what Jesus says. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. If you, if you ever hear a preacher tell you that Jesus takes all the troubles away, you might want to just question the preacher, okay? Because he doesn't just take all the troubles away. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. And he meets you in the middle of the muck. In the middle of the muck. Oftentimes, we don't know how good we have it. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, we can't even comprehend the fullness of Christ's peace. We can't comprehend it. And it's often not until we're past the muck and the mire and the trials and tribulations that we look back and we go, I experienced the peace of Christ in the middle of that. I don't know how I did it, 
And you often hear people saying stuff like this. I don't know how I did it, but somehow there was some strength to move through that, to face the problem, to be in the middle of it without falling apart. See, the peace of Jesus is so much greater than we can ever comprehend. But we've felt it. We've experienced it, haven't we? We can look back on times of our lives where it seemed like everything was chaotic and falling apart, and yet in the middle of the muck, Jesus showed up. In those moments where we we were sure that the wheels were going to come right off the wagon, we were somehow able to make it through. We somehow managed because Jesus was there. And so God invites us, actually, to lean into him in those moments, to trust in him, to not face our trials and tribulations and try to do it on our own, but to rely on him. The peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of Christ who lives in us. You will have troubles, but you have my peace. You have me, Jesus says. See, friends, peace is not the absence of difficulties. It's not the management of outward circumstances. It's just the presence of Jesus. And here's the thing that we need to understand here as the body of Christ, as the people of Jesus, as the church. Here's what we need to understand, that this peace is not just for you. It's not just for you. You are meant to be a peace carrier. You're meant to be utterly contagious with peace. Everyone who comes within six feet of you is meant to walk away infected with peace. You're meant to be a peace peace factory, multiplying peace within yourself. As the Holy Spirit wells this up within you, you're supposed to multiply peace within you. And peace is supposed to come out of you everywhere that you go. I I love, uh, I I know they do this in the Anglican church. I'm not sure if other liturgical churches do this or not. But they, they have this tradition that they do at every church service, which is an amazing tradition. And I think the evangelical churches has not really caught on to it. But it's called the passing of the peace. Do you know about this? Have you heard about this? If you've ever been to one of these uh, Anglican churches before, they oftentimes, at the beginning of the service, they'll say, now we're going to pass the peace. And everybody will get up out of their chairs, and they'll wander around, and they'll shake hands, and they'll hug each other, and they will say to each other, peace be with you. And then the other person is supposed to say, and also with you. It's this amazing thing where they pass the peace. What in the world is that? Well, it's this, that you're meant to be a carrier of peace. You're meant to be a spreader of peace. I want to do this today. Now, I don't want you to leave your seat. I don't want you to get up and go hug each other and stuff like that because we're trying to be COVID compliant, right? But I want you to look around at the people that are near you, the people that are within earshot of you. Even if you have to yell across, Abby, you can yell all the way across the room to Amy if you'd like, okay? But that you would just look at somebody else in the room and that you would pass the peace. Peace be with you and also with you. So why don't we take 30 seconds, yell that across the room, say it to the people around you, peace be with you and also with you. I hope those of you that are at home are doing this in your living rooms as well. And if you happen to be watching this alone, that you'll text somebody, just text them, peace be with you. What an encouraging thing. What an encouraging thing. Now, I also want to invite you into passing the peace to another group of people. 
okay? So you've passed the peace to the people in here. Hopefully those of you at home have passed the peace in your homes. But I also want to invite you to pass the peace to another group of people. So we are doing a Christmas Eve service uh, in just a couple weeks. So Christmas Eve, I don't know, it's 11 days away or something like that. Okay, so we're doing a Christmas Eve service. We're calling it A Weary World Rejoices, which I just think is a, a fantastic title. What a fantastic title. And I'm, I'm inviting you to be a part of passing the peace to those people. So on your table are little bookmarks, okay? So grab one of those bookmarks right now. It has the title of the, of the Christmas Eve service on it, A Weary World Rejoices. Those of you at home, you don't have the bookmarks. That's okay, but you can still participate. So just wait until I tell you how you can participate. And our hope is that, and, and it's already happening. We have 16 people already registered um, to participate in our Christmas Eve service. Uh, and it just opened up last week, which is fantastic. We are making up little bags um, that accent the service. We're going to be sending home these bags. They've got candles in them, and they've got candy canes and hot chocolate and fun stuff like that. Um, and we're sending those home with as many people as we possibly can. And we already have three people, three people who have registered for these bags whose names I don't recognize, which I think is such a fantastic thing. So we are hoping our community is going to be involved in this and, and ask for these bags. I've already taken a couple of invitations to people. There's also a little invitation on your table. You can take that with you if you know somebody who should participate in this, who should be involved in this. You can give them that invitation. I've done that myself already. But we want you to be involved because one of the things we want to put in those bags is a blessing. A blessing of, of joy, a blessing of hope, a blessing of love, or a, a blessing of peace. You are meant to be able to bless people. You are meant to be able to carry peace and to bless people with peace. So what we're encouraging you to do is to write on those cards a, a word from God for people. So here's, here's how we're going to do this, okay? Um, let me just see. I'm... I'm totally gone. There's a slide for this. There are three easy steps. Here we go. Three easy steps. What we want you to do is you take those cards, and we're going to do it right now, okay? Take those cards, ask Jesus for a word, something that's encouraging, something that's loving, something that he wants you to share. It can be a single word. It can be a picture. It can be a passage of scripture. It can be a phrase. It can even be song lyrics if you want. If God wells up song lyrics within you, write those song lyrics down. So you're going to ask Jesus for a word. Step two is you're going to write that word down. If you get several words, then you can do several bookmarks, okay? You can do several bookmarks because we need about 75 of these that we're going to be giving out to you guys and to our community, okay? So write those things down and then just leave your bookmark on the table. We'll come back later today or later this week and we'll gather all those bookmarks back up. And, and, uh, and for those of you that are watching at home, you can send the message to the church. So you can Facebook message us. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, you can just Facebook message us. Um, you can send an email to the church at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. Uh, you can phone us on Wednesday or Thursday when Darlene's in the office, and she'd love to write that down for you. You can text Pastor Amy or I if you have our text numbers, and you can send us a word. Somebody's already done that. So an email went out this last week, and somebody's already texted me a passage of scripture. So we've already got one, for sure. I encourage you guys at home to continue to do this. So here's how we're going to wrap up our service this morning. Uh, Farrell's up here. So she's just going to play some music, and we're just going to give you about three minutes to ask Jesus for a word, write that word down. You might do a couple. There's a couple of empty tables up here. If you're getting like 
just this huge download and you want to write a couple of them, you can grab extra cards, okay? Um, but we want you to write those down. So we're going to give you three minutes to do it. So Farrell's just going to play quietly, take three minutes to write down what you hear Jesus saying. If you don't get something till later, that's fine. You go home, you send us a message, you text us, you email us, let us know what you'd like to have on there. We're shooting for 75 words of encouragement for both our community, our congregation, and for our community. Okay, so do that now. After, after about three minutes, uh, Dave is going to come up and he's going to give us a benediction uh, to close off our service. You've got the peace of Jesus in you. It's time to spread it around. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.